Now it is time for very serious football talk with a man who hates money almost as much as he hates the idea of a healthy sleep schedule. You will find Sedekaiser everywhere except for in his or your bed because not only does he not sleep, he's also a faithful husband. So that's that's important. The man who has so many children, his wife figured he wouldn't even notice if she bought a few chickens and ducks for the backyard. We should have an episode where we just have my children appear on the show I would in love ascending that. order. So we'll do like a minute of Lucas, then two minutes of Isabel, then three minutes of... Co- Man, I have a lot of kids. The man who does all of this while being a lawyer in a state that has snow all 12 months of the year. Until it freezes... I'm okay. Yeah. I actually felt very at home driving through southern Iowa. It was snow everywhere, and people were slowing down to like 40. It was adorable. I was driving slowly, but I literally was hanging my head out the window screaming, and that was disconcerting. <laughs> it's Seth Kaiser of the Chief in the North newsletter, The Athletic, and the Times Hours podcast on Almost Entirely Sports. Seth Kaiser back on a Tuesday as the Lord intended it. On the second day, he created football, I think. Listen, uh, my theology, certainly Seth, I'm sure could use a little bit of brushing up here or there. Uh, But you're the man to do that as well. So that's the, the real joy of a Seth Kaiser Tuesday. How's it going, Seth? It's going really well, and it was actually, it was the, the second day was football, and then little known fact, it was actually the seventh day that the overtime rules were created, wow. and God was resting, and that's why the devil had a hand in that, Ugh. and <laughs> that's why we're at where we're at right now with overtime rules. God's need to um, literally sleep and then I'll just allow everybody to kind of run roughshod in the in the background. Really a, a design flaw on his part, I would say. Feels like that could have really been avoided. The number of people that are going to get mad at me for not standing up on this particular... I, I won't do it. You can't make me do it. It is a fascinating choice, though. See, yeah, that 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 pause that you just heard and that everyone listening to just heard was me doing some quick calculus like that Zach Galifianakis gif on if I wanted that to be the next half hour of all of our lives because it teetered on a knife's edge there for a second. And I went, nah, it's not worth it today. No one there would be like that would be a podcast that like that. Or I'm sorry, a segment of radio. We do way too many podcasts together. It's, it all uh, ends up look. It all ends up in a podcast eventually. It's that, that's, that's my true. that's the content equivalent of you know. I'll, yeah, sure. I'll eat dessert first. It all ends up in the same place. <laughs> and in this analogy, podcasts are poop. And I think that actually might be right. <laughs> that would, that would be content that like Nate, Kent. Swanson and like two other people would enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a small, it's a small group. We could probably yeah. honestly just, uh, just do that all on a Zoom call with all of the people who would be interested in that. We really ought to do that at some point. But uh, you know, the, the one good thing about the off season is we get a chance to talk about these important things, That's like right. the the day of rest. If if it was a choice then can I not choose to ignore it? I'm not really doing theology. People, wow, please don't great. yell at me. <laughs> I uh, no, I almost did it again. I just I did yeah, it again. I, I gotta stop. Why am I doing this? I'm sorry. This is on me. I apologize. Uh, I mean, it's on both of us because you know that you. What you can't help is the idea of of tempting my ability to withhold anything on the radio, um, <laughs> even for the sake of better radio content. But, you know, such is life. Um, I, I did actually, when we had you on last week, it was going to be Tuesday, then it was a Wednesday, and we had a bunch of stuff we just hadn't talked about in a long time. We hadn't done a, a segment here in a while. And also, I will make this point. I should have said all this. It's in the intro. But Chief of the North Newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com, for all the stuff we'll talk about in written form from Seth, and then tomorrow, you, me, and Nate are going to get together and do another little edition of Times Ours, so you can listen to Times Ours wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for uh, search for Times Ours. I mean, that's pretty simple. You've done that before. You've looked for a podcast. I um, have. But but one thing that I wanted to ask you about last week, we just didn't have time. That this week we have nothing but time because I do not need to talk about Tyreek Hill's podcast with you anymore, and we'll get to Isaiah Pacheco and some defensive stuff here in a second. But I uh, recently. Uh, fiance Renee and I became homeowners, not just home renters, but homeowners. This has resulted in me aging even more rapidly than I was just before that all kind of came together and, and got locked in. I have spent time in the backyard now, just sort of 
doddering about, just trimming trees <laughs> that didn't ever really seem like they needed trimming as long as two months ago, um, mowing because it felt like something I needed to do, like deep within my soul, and frankly, that I wanted to do. I go out on the back patio just to sit outside sometimes now for no other particular reason. And so I, I'm i just kind of wondering, you, you are, you're ahead of the curve, or as we talked about on last night's show, as Rudy believed, uh, ahead of the curb on this one. It's a frequently misheard idiom, I suppose. I just never heard anybody else mishear it before. But but what else? What else do I need to know here? Like help help set me off on the on the right track in terms of my uh, my homeownership sure. journey that's aged me so so drastically already. Well, homeownership stuff. I mean, the outside stuff is the first stuff you're going to notice, like with the lawn care type stuff. But you know, you're going to want to figure out how exactly your circuit breakers hot water heater and water supply to the house works. Okay. Like where is where's your water supply if something starts leaking? Mm-hmm. Where's the one to shut it off for the entire house? Where's the one to shut it off for the individual bathrooms? Those are important things. How how that. what's your hot water heater setup? And what is, especially here in Missouri, or there, you know, where you were at, you, you need nailed to- the state, but got it wrong for yourself? That was weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm trying to just really place myself with you. I'm really, I'm doing a little more character acting. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. So one thing to know is how is your house circulating air? Is it just with the regular conditioning, or do you have an air exchanger? And is that hooked up correctly? And is that actually draining water, or is it just circulating air within itself, like mine is still is because I haven't taken care of that yet. Um, those, so those are little things like, but your, your water and your electricity, those are things that are going to give you problems at times. And you're going to want to figure out how those two things work in your house. Also, I'm not advising you to play with the circuit breaker. Like, don't like, ah, let's see what this one does. Like, just know where the switches are and what they go to and then leave it alone unless you need to flip a switch. Okay. That, that's fantastic. Um, I will tell you one of the first things that I did was on the... Um, I guess AC unit in the basement had some old pipes on it that were that were taking care of the water runoff. I just bought yeah. some new PVC like flexible, not not pipe right, but I, tubing I guess. Um, I replaced those and then ran a little uh, a little three way splitter into it, so just one tube would then go into the the water hole in the bottom of, in in the basement where our wow. our, uh, our water goes. I did that just for fun. I was like, you know what? These tubes are old and also don't get all the way to the water hole, and so there's a little bit of water on the floor. It's unfinished basement. Yeah. I, so I, I there's did no that. need to have water on your floor. There's no need. Exactly. If I can, with I bought like 50, 50 feet of PVC tubing, which means I'll never need to buy it again for the rest of my life. I bought a lifetime supply of PVC tubing, and so I I started on kind of just like making the basement a little less wet, like week one. So that that makes me feel good. The electrical stuff work in progress, but I I've written that down. I also don't know what air an air exchanger actually is, but I imagine that I must have one because. I've I've added the uh, again the water leaking tubing and whatnot. So there's water leaving that unit now. So I guess that's good. Yeah, yeah. And that's that. And your your AC does a lot of the same stuff that an air exchanger will. And much much better men than I would be able to go more into detail. Um, you have a chainsaw yet? Make sure to you, you got to no. Okay. So this is this is the next category is stuff I should buy. Um, the main thing right now is I still need to get a ladder because I need to get into the attic and I might yep. you know I I want to have the ability to get on the roof. All of a sudden I'm just wandering around the house thinking I should clean out the gutters. I'd like to do that. I think and now that's my life. So uh, the ladder ladder situation not yet solved and I'm looking to get a new piece. It's like like a piece of patio furniture where I can sit out there in the backyard. And I want to be able to put my feet up on something. Those are my, my two things so far. It's like to have my feet up outside and I know I need a ladder. I need to visit this place. <laughs> I, this is, and then I will try to figure out what you need. So Jazz and I, I'm pretty sure I've managed to Jedi mind trick you into giving me your new address. I'll, I'll figure that out. Mm. Either that or Nate did it for me. One of the two. I think two. he might have sent a Christmas card or something. I didn't open it. Oh, the, the world famous the- Kaiser Christmas letter. You better. That's like two pages, dude. Yeah, well, I, I opened it and then I saw it was two pages and then I was like, all right, that was good enough. Yep. Yep. I have given this the exact amount of effort it deserves. <laughs> um, 
No, that 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 that's fair. Um, I read. But no, I, I actually. If, if you did I, in fact send me a Christmas card to this address, I did read. It. I know I got it at least one year because you compared your kids to Chiefs. I think. I did. I did. And well, then, and then every year I try to find a theme. Every year I cry while I write about Isabel. It's just an <laughs> old thing. There's lots of there's lots of traditions there. Um, I I actually I'm gonna try to figure out a way to make this happen because I've talked to Jazz and I was like, you know, we really need to do an uh, an on site times ours recording. Wow. Where you and Nate record live from the Kaiser Seven Acres. You know that now. Am I willing to pay to make that happen? No, I'm not. So it's okay. That's, that's yeah. where the line gets drawn. Yeah, yeah. Am, I, am I willing to pay you? travel costs? No. Uh-huh. And so you know. But anyway, so maybe it could be live from the uh, the Briscoe residence. Is it the Briscoe Seven Acres? Not not Seven Acres. No, it is. It's not. It's not quite that spacious. But we got a nice backyard that is Scouts Kingdom, and that's good enough. I like it a lot. The Briscoe the Briscoe Stouts Kingdom. Yeah, it's really it's really just Scout's Kingdom. I think it's oh, what Scout's officially. Kingdom. I, I thought think, you said Stout, and I thought it was weird you were talking about Craig, but I was just going along with it. Oh no, if Craig, I'll tell you what. If Craig wanted to um, own part of this house, and maybe just I don't, I don't know if he and Renee are just switching just lives at this point, but. <laughs> I mean, Craig's great, and so that would be a hard one for me to turn down. And I know Renee doesn't listen to the radio show anymore, so this is safe. Sure. Well, and Craig seems like someone that would probably be better at home maintenance than either one of us. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, yeah, and yeah. Renee, for the record, I'm just and saying, Renee. Like, yeah, everybody can have the the Craig is better at life in general smoke because it's true for everybody. Yep. This is this is quite true. There's little he's not great at. Um, yeah. No. This is this is good content. I appreciate this. I feel like it's been a while. Yeah, I um, I've I've been able to run some of these questions by by Mick Schaefer on the show in recent weeks, who's really been he's very excited about the shed that is also back there that I have now. Um, the, the various storage options. We bought a couple of lamps at a at a Home Depot this weekend. Um, that nice. was a new addition. So yeah, lots of lots of things in that regard. Is there something is there something fun that I should do, or is there like a I don't know. Do you, I literally spent hours these last couple of days reorganizing my office. Um, I'm not sure I've made it any better, but I've just made it different, and that that feels good. So, is there a a customization or a a, a, a rule of thumb, a little a little tip or a trick that I should keep an eye on? I mean. There's, it just all depends on what you have fun doing around your house. I mean, you know, if if you know how kind of the, the, the general of your pipes and your electricity work, one thing I think is way more fun than it should be, two things, is leaf blowing and mm. pressure washing. Yes. Okay. There was a at Home Depot on whatever day it was this weekend. Okay, I think it was Sunday. There was a little like hose attachment that says turns any hose into a power washer, and I picked it up. I held it. I turned to Renee. I said, "Do you think this works? Because I really want it, but I'm afraid it just doesn't really work." And so I, I put it back. I've tried that. It is no substitute. However, for your purposes, you could get away with an electric power washer. Um. You, you don't necessarily need the gas one, which is you know going to be louder. They're both loud. Mm-hmm. But you can still, I think it's about 2,100 PSI you could still do all right with. And they're fun. They're loads of fun. And it's amazing how great your house looks afterward. And it, th- those things are just fun. They're fun to do. You feel like you're taking care of something. And it feels very different than like cleaning up your house when you're renting it. Because you're like, well, why am I doing this? This Right, <laughs> right. Somebody, should, somebody else should be cleaning up my mess. It's like you yeah. just dropped a full plate of spaghetti. Like that's on you. Like I don't, I don't own this house. <laughs> yeah, it's our landlord's spaghetti. Yeah, this feels, this feels like an asset depreciation issue to me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, leaf blower is also great because we got a bunch of big trees, which is wonderful, especially for cover in the backyard. But it does mean that as soon as the temperature drops out of the seventies, the the backyard is just an entire leaf pit. So that 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 might be the next sort of like uh, outside of the ladder. I got to get a ladder first. Ladder mm. one, patio furniture two, leaf blower three, and I would like to have a power washer just sort of as a toy. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> That's I like it. I like it. I like the direction you're going. I uh, I feel good about that. Please, as you see fit, now just living your life. Just just keep in mind that I am I am open for business in terms of uh, home ownership slash customization slash etc. Um, in the, this this whole 
arena of life now has been opened to me and therefore opened to you to give me advice on. So I'm I'm explicit. Not only am I explicitly not rejecting your advice preemptively, I'm telling you I'm all ears. And the fact that <laughs> like that doesn't happen in our conversations very often. That's true. I was going to say that uh, that about had me falling over, but I'll take it. <laughs> and I, I really am only now like so we actually just passed last month our two year anniversary moving into our home. And I'm only now starting to get into some things. One of the issues I have is working two jobs is that I just don't have a lot of time to learn how to do a lot of this stuff. And when my dad tried to teach it to me, I, of course, was too dumb to listen. And so, you know, I'm starting to do things one at a time. I'm finally chainsawing a few of my trees and kind of getting a few things done with that. Although now we've got this branch that is broken and dangling, not completely dangling yet, but it's too high for me to get to. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do about that because I know I shouldn't just get on a ladder and try to pull it down because that's they, they call branches like that widowmakers for a reason. And so I'm trying to figure out what to do about that. So I will be just a one step ahead of you throughout most of this. And I have no doubt you will soon surpass me because my, my talent with my hands is not, I am not gifted in the area of fixing things. I like that you totally changed the structure of that sentence partway through because I was about to say, oh, good. You know, it's been a while since we've had a new Seth liner. And it, it, that could have really been something special. But you, My talent with my hands? Yeah, you, you bailed out before it got really incriminating. And so, unfortunately, you're, you've become too self-aware. I have I, I have very very few if any talents with my hands. I uh, <laughs> there's a reason I, I mostly talk and type for a living. It's uh, I'm just not naturally handy, and I need you to pull me out of this death spiral. I'm, no. in. <laughs> I I'm right now. I'm in I'm in the uh, I'm in the the Maverick Top Gun death spiral that Goose's <laughs> son put them in. Right. And and I need you to pull me out of this. That's perfect. And it's also a reference that I now understand. So that's really helpful too. Uh, we're just we're bridging gaps here today. Uh, real quick on your tree branch, I would you have a chainsaw already? You said right? I do. Yes, but it's very it's high up there. Yeah. And and then the problem is once you start fiddling around with that branch, you run the risk of it falling down and falling on you. I think you just start up the chainsaw and then just chuck it up there. <laughs> it might take a few tries but i mean just toss it up you know you'll catch it when it comes down throw it up there a few more times a little bit as you go all of a sudden boom branches on the ground i i i think that's a decent idea it, it it's it's just as functional as my idea to learn how to be a cowboy and lasso one of the branches and then tie that to a vehicle because that's so jazz tells me she's like well i think you're gonna have to tie something to the branch and i said hun that is a great idea how do you suggest i get that tied like i, I can't i can't lasso it like a cowboy and she said very like with a very condemning tone no no you can't and i was like <laughs> Okay, so I, so my wife. So now, not so only quickly. do I have a branch, but I've been emasculated too. Yeah. I have a lot of problems. There's a lot going on there. Huh? That's all right. Well, uh, I'm glad that we got at least a, a minute to, I guess, several minutes, looking at the clock, to to really <laughs> yeah, help me get on the right a track. Solid quarter of an hour. Look, I just sometimes uh, this is something that I will not apologize for using real estate on this show to talk about because it is not only helpful to me. I assume somebody out there is thinking, oh, you know what? I should really learn if I have an air exchanger or where my house's water shutoff is like that. I, I think we're, we're doing a service for the people. Uh, yep. And the alternative was 15 minutes about Terry Kills podcast. So you're welcome, America. I have zero opinions on that. People do clickbait all the time. It's fine. Yep. Um, excellent. So let's talk about uh, your your most recent. Why don't we talk about your most recent work on the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com, uh, where you wrote, this rookie flying under the radar could be the big steal of the 2022 <laughs> NFL draft. Kansas City Chiefs, KC Chiefs, please click. You can't uh, – you. you. <laughs> You, 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 it's a good reminder that I really do fall pretty far short in terms of uh, how I <laughs> I thumbnail my my stuff. I think about that all the time, honestly. Like after the Tyreek Hill interview came out, I really thought about the fact Which that one? you know what, if, if I wanted to write a reaction article to that, I bet some people would subscribe to read that. But then I'm feeding the monster, yeah, and I, I can't bring myself to do it. That's one line I still have yet to cross. Although, when looking back at some of my articles' headlines, I mean, some of these, I guess I could see that being a little, 
a, a little bit clickbaity. No, no, no. Okay, so now that we're in this area, I will I will also follow you into this uh, this this absolute lost cause of a conversation topic. There is something very different about I believe this wholeheartedly, and I've given it a lot of thought. There is something fundamentally different about to use a recent example. Did the Chiefs suppress Tyreek Hill's stats? Click Ugh. here for more, uh, because then you click, and if the answer could, if the answer to the, the question in your headline is a one-word answer, one way or another, that's clickbaity. But also, sure. in, in the work that, that you do, and, and that I also will do, you know, over on Arrowhead Report, written form and all of that, if, you're, if you have work that you or someone else has done, you need the reader to click it to read the work that you've done. Like that I don't know, I know that's very very simple, but if if your headline was Isaiah Pacheco might be good, might not be too soon to say, well then people probably aren't going to read the the work that you've put hours into in watching his film and trying to quantify his traits and all of that. So there there is a line to walk there certainly. But sure, I, you, I think that you you got to get people to click so they can see what work you've put in. Yeah, you want to effectively preview what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, and if you can give yeah. it away in the headline, it's a bad story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't. I mean, and really, if, if what you've written is, if you're writing an article that you really could give it away completely in a headline, I would question whether that's something that needs to be written. Right. You know, that's right. like, if I, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, you know, Company Dunder Mifflin apologizes to valued customer. Mm-hmm. Some companies still know, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> it, unless, unless it would be like that, then maybe I would say, well, maybe you could, I don't know, just write a single tweet. But right. I, I understand yep. not everyone has the benefit of doing a newsletter through subscriptions and clicks matter. But I, I appreciate the grace on on my occasional clickbaity uh, titles. I, in fact, and I rescind that. They're not clickbaity. No. They are just... Like like this, bargain price, colon. Patrick Mahomes' contract is already a good deal, soon to be a great one. I mean, that's clickbaity, but not really, because oh, it's no, what I, I'm... Yeah, it's I, like, I know your conclusion based off your headline. I would have told you to make that headline less clear. <laughs> <laughs> Darian Craig's skill set is perfect for the Chiefs' new offensive line is the promise and then you click it and the payoff is you explaining why Ooh. that's true you know what i mean like you're just, i like that i like that i try to do the promise and the payoff yeah and and if it, you can't put the payoff in the headline if you could it should be a tweet like you said i mean so i i, I say that not only for you but i hope that people listening as well kind of have given that some thought to discern the difference between you won't believe which player andy Reid said is quote in the best shape of his life, unquote. Like that, it's all of them. It's all. It's everybody all the time. Um, but if you want people to read about Isaiah Pacheco, ask the question in the headline, answer it in the story, um, which is what you did and what people should go read up in the Chief of the North newsletter. I, this is, you know, we're talking about seventh round running back here, so we don't have to spend the remainder of our sure. of our segment on Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, but I, I think that there's some interesting stuff that you've already noted in the story. I think it has some interesting implications beyond that. Uh, and then also, I've got a, another completely unrelated Chiefs thing that I would actually like to talk about if we have time. But why don't you give me a, a little summary of, of what you were expecting going in to watch Isaiah Pacheco, and, and then if there was anything that sort of surprised you in that evaluation process, if people can go watch the clip and read it all at mnchiefsfan.substack.com or bit.ly slash Seth really hates money for 12 bucks a year. Um, so the thing with Pacheco, like you said, he's a seventh round running back. Um, that screams, you know, Dave Taub is interested. Um, he's, he's an athlete who plays pretty tough. I, I think the big thing that surprised me when reviewing his film, because he was pretty productive at Rutgers, not like crazy productive. He was a four-year guy. Um I think the thing that surprised me the most was that he looks pretty good in pass protection, Mm -hmm. which is an area where running backs often struggle coming out of college, and they're not always asked to play a huge role in it. And that's so what I really talked about is he's got two traits that make me think, huh, one of them is pass protection, which is harder than people think. It's hard to be consistently good at it because most guys that are really willing to do it and really willing to throw their body into it, those are the smaller guys that have to or they get rolled. Or, you know, the bigger guys, they're maybe not quite as willing to really go nuts with it, right? Or they're really slow. You know, they don't have, they're missing some other traits and they know that's the way they get on the field. 
Pacheco has that. He also has some good burst. He can run a little. You know, he can get to the sideline a little. And it's that came through in his 40 time. He ran under a 4-4. And it's just interesting when you compare him to the rest of the Chiefs running back group, like from last year. And it's the same reason I think Ronald Jones is somewhat interesting, is there's just a little more burst there. It feels like they're looking for someone to do a little bit more in terms of reaching the line of scrimmage, you know, 0.1 seconds faster, which matters. Getting to the second level, 0.1 seconds faster, which matters in in that it affects the angles and all that sort of stuff. And a guy who can actually get to the sideline on some of these outside zone looks, that kind of stuff. So he has a couple of traits that are valuable. What does that mean? We don't know. I, you know, it means that he could get on the field and contribute, but really with running backs, it's almost impossible to project really well. And that's why you've got so many running backs who are taken, you know, past the fifth round that end up having really great careers because there's so many guys that are physically capable of making an impact. And you just don't know who can parse through the, the mental speed of that position until they're at the NFL level. Specifically on the pass pro element of it, again, because there's a lot that we still don't know, but that's something that, you know, like you said, that that can get you on the field, particularly, I would think, in this offense, because also, Mm -hmm. like, talk to me a little bit about what you've seen both for these last couple of years from Clyde in pass protection and then with what Ronald Jones showed you whenever you looked at his pass pro. Ronald Jones is faster because he's just bad at it. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's uh, maybe that'll change, but he was bad at it yeah. in the film that I watched. Um, Edwards Alaire is undersized, um, which is, I mean, he, he, he's, he's, he was a strong player in college, but it doesn't show up as much at the pro level because he's an undersized back. And that, that extra, that 10 pounds can make a really big difference. He's willing but he's not terrific at it, and maybe that's one reason why it was tough for him to be the third round back or the third the third down back. I don't know, you know. And so he uh, the the efforts there with him, and I think the technique has gotten better. But he's just a little bit undersized, and that's something that I don't know how well you're going to be able to overcome that. Um, and, and that's where with him it's just pretty consistent. He's listed at like two oh seven. He's five eight. And I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, being 5'8", because one, that affects your length in terms of, you know, if you've got a, a guy that you're trying to pass block, if, if it's a guy whose arms are four inches longer than yours, that's problematic. Um, and that the difference between weighing, you know, 200 pounds, which is what he probably plays at, versus being 215 or 220, that's a really big deal. Um, and if you don't think so, strap a 15, 20 pound weight to your back and walk around all day mm. and see if you feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, again, with Clyde, I don't think it's an effort issue, and I don't necessarily think it's a technique issue. I think he should be able to continue to get better at because there are running backs who weigh 200 pounds that are terrific in pass pro. But he's not a functionally super strong player. And so it was just interesting to me that Pacheco was consistently very good at it. Um, he seemed to sort his way through blitzes pretty well. He was actually a big part of their pass protection. Um and it, to the detriment of his receiving skills, because I, I just didn't see anything that had him stand out as a receiver at all. Um, but it's at least interesting in that what if they go into this year and they're still uncomfortable putting Clyde back there, which, again, Ronald Jones is a weird signing if you're still uncomfortable with Clyde on obvious mm-hmm. passing downs. So I don't think that's the route it'll go. Um, but... If they do, for one reason or another, still feel uncomfortable with that, that's a way for Pacheco to fill a niche and just get kind of that that foot in the door. So that, that'll at least be worth watching. Much more likely with him is, you know, because I'm guessing the physicality that he showed as a blocker they really liked, and they said, hey, that's a core special teams guy, is mm-hmm. much more likely. So you, you touched on the thing that I was trying to tiptoe up to because I, I think this is one of the quietly most interesting little, I don't know, roster construction um, conversations that we're not having very often that you and I talked about after your Ronald Jones film review. Ronald Jones is a, is a first and second down back. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was drafted with the idea that he could be an excellent pass catcher on third downs. 
Mm-hmm. But then he was a first and second down back. And Darrell Williams became the third down guy, despite Darrell Williams not seeming like a third down type of running back. Now he's obviously in Arizona. You have Derek Gore and now Pacheco. But when we talked about that around Ronald Jones, again, that was well pre-draft, and we were kind of looking at what that might look like. And I don't want to say that a seventh round running back is their solution in, as a third down guy. But... I still, after reading what you wrote about Jones and after reading what you wrote about Pacheco and knowing what we know about Clyde and even to some extent Derek Gore, I don't know what this running back rotation is going to look like. I I think they want Clyde to get the the largest role possible, but I don't know if what we have seen from how the Chiefs have used Clyde lines up with how Jones has been used in the NFL with what Pacheco's skill set looks like. I just still kind of shrug a little bit, wondering what that rotation might look like. Absolutely, me too. I I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire might be the player on offense with the most to prove this season, and I'm not sure it's particularly close. Um, People talk about McCole Hardman, but McCole Hardman has been a more valuable piece to the offense by a fair amount. Um, I understand he's, you know, second round pick. And so people have certain expectations, but his role has been valuable and he's been good at it. Um, And when asked to step up occasionally in games, Hills missed, you know, we'll see how Hardman does this year, but he kind of is who he is. It feels like, Mm. whereas with, with Edwards Allaire, it feels like they drafted him to do one thing and they haven't really tried to do much of that. And then it's kind of the whole, what is it you'd say it is you do here? Mm-hmm. Because Edwards Alaire, he's not a bad player. He's not a bad runner. But again, you know, people are always going to go back to trying to justify, you know, if you and I have talked about this before. If you're going to take a lesser valuable position in the first round, then that guy should have some singular traits mm-hmm. that make it worth it. Mm-hmm. And in his case, the idea was his tremendous fit into the offense, his ability to open up the passing game even more because he can run routes, other guys can't, blah, 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 right? We've been down the road a million times. Yep. Well, this is it, right? I mean, year three, it's like it's either going to happen or it's not. And everything we've seen so far makes it look like it's not likely and so that would be the one thing in, say, in, in getting a guy like Ronald Jones, maybe they're finally comfortable with a really developed third down and pass catching role for Clyde. And it's so great, you know, will that still make it worth a first round pick? Probably not. But at least then you're maximizing your talent. Um, Pacheco, again, he feels more like special teams fodder, but it is worth noting that anytime you grab a guy who can scoot the way he can, cause he can run pretty well. He's not like, you know, he's not like a cook or something like that, right. but he can run. And that's interesting when you've got a power based offensive line that can open up some holes. Do you have any other questions in the running game? Because you, you also used a, a chart in the Pacheco film review that I, I saw whenever it first popped up on Twitter of, of how Clyde Edwards it from uh, Tej Seth. He's at Tej FB Analytics. I think formerly was like Michigan Football Analytics. It changes at a yeah, long time ago. But a really good. terrific a, work. Terrific. Or a really good um, and also like fun sort of analytics-based follow. Um, and again, that's in this the Pacheco story that, that Seth just did. So you can see it there as well. But he, he has the little spray chart of Clyde and Daryl and Derek Gore and and how they each operated in terms of um, their their EPA per rush and their expected yards per carry and all of that. The Chiefs' offensive line has has given guys a lot of opportunity. Clyde didn't necessarily take take a lot of advantage of that though. Obviously, in fact, he hasn't at all. Daryl Williams didn't really either. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm curious if there's anything else sort of big picture in the running game. We've talked about blocking schemes and stuff already, but anything else that that maybe has gone a little under the radar that that you took a closer look at because of the Pacheco review. Sure. And the thing that I would say is some things like just pure physical traits like speed and burst, that's going to matter even more so when you've got good blocking. Vision is going to matter more when you've got maybe adequate blocking, a little more inconsistent. But really, the Chiefs had really good run blocking last year. And part of it was situational. I mean, they faced, it was six guys or fewer in the box. It was like 12% more than anyone else. Just this insane number to where you really should have a pretty high expected yards at the handoff to where, especially with the guys they've got blocking, right? That's a great combination to have. Really good run blockers and relatively empty boxes because that means you end up with a nose tackle who's by himself against Humphrey and Trey Smith, and they don't even have to worry about anyone else coming in right away. Mm. And that that's just, you're going to lose that fight 
pretty much every time. And so they didn't take advantage of it much, which there's a few reasons that could be so. But one of them simply could be when you are a half step slower, defenses in the NFL feast on half a step. And it could be when you're talking about someone who has that extra half step, like a guy like Pacheco, and the holes are there, so you're not as worried about vision, right? You're not as worried about breaking down the defense and reading it really well. It's more of a of a, of a one-read cut or a one-cut kind of thing. That might make a big difference. And so I, I'm curious whether or not that's something they're at least taking into account in terms of guys they're looking at. They need guys with a little more speed. Because if you've got good blocking, then it comes down mostly to physical traits, whether that is being a step faster, whether that is being able to break that first tackle, all of those things, right? It becomes less about the mental game because the blocking's there. Yeah. So that that might be something at least worth thinking about as Pacheco, as we go through training camp. I'm guessing it'll be primarily CEH and, and Jones, but he's faster than either of them. So that's at least worth looking at, although Jones might be right there with him. Well, we gotta let you go. I, I uh, you know, time flies when you spend the first fifteen minutes talking about backyard landscaping and general uh, homeownership FAQs. So uh, I guess I'll just have to wait until tomorrow to talk to you again for an episode of Time Zars. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to keep all my questions until then, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best. Oh, that sounds good. I'm excited for it. You can read all Seth's work up in the Chief in the North newsletter. It's mnchiefsfan.substack.com. You can get there, bit.ly slash Seth Really Hates Money. $12 for a year of access, uh, and it stays at $12 for as long as you stay subscribed. Uh, even if I someday convince Seth to raise the price, it won't go up for you if you lock it in at $12, uh, even though, again, I really think that you're basically robbing Seth at gunpoint there. Eh, you know, it's 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 he set up the button for it. So 12 bucks for a year, the Chief in the North <laughs> newsletter. Uh, check out the Isaiah Pacheco film review. Also, we talked a little bit last week about the Patrick Mahomes contract uh, deep dive that you did. That is still hot and fresh on the newsletter as well. So check it out there. And then also uh, tomorrow we'll have a little edition of Time Zars hitting your feeds as well. Seth, as always, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. But that's not where this show makes its money. You guys know that. We make our money talking about the Chiefs and dunking on people on Twitter. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks again to Seth Kaiser as we have him pretty much every Tuesday. We have a show pretty much every Tuesday, so we talk a lot. Uh, we're talking after the segment briefly and making the point like, oh, it actually kind of been a little while since we had just gotten to chat and, uh, you know, improve my, hopefully improve my, my uh, homeownership while also potentially taking another look at the Chiefs' backfield. So with that in mind, again, if you haven't already, go check out the Chief in the North newsletter. That's mnchiefsfan.substack.com or bit.ly slash Seth really hates money, and you can get a year subscription to the Chief of the North newsletter for just $12. It's ridiculous. It makes me a little mad. It will probably never change. But if it does, you want to lock in that right now. Um, maybe eventually I'll get Seth to uh, to rearrange that. I mean, eventually the desire to move to Florida is just going to become too strong, and he's going to be like, you know what, guys? Sorry. I got to raise it. One of the things we 13 bucks a year. Absolute robbery at that point. That was one of the things that we discussed off air today uh, was was specifically that of, you know, right now Minnesota is apparently beautiful. It's wonderful around this time of year and, and in the summer. Two months. And then it starts snowing every other month. And so um, in the middle yeah. of August. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if any of that is enough to uh, to to shake the the price of the newsletter. But right now, it's still twelve bucks a year, and an absolutely incredible value that'll make you smarter on a whole variety of levels as a Chiefs fan. So I think you should check that out. Uh, one thing that we have not gotten to, and I know it's crazy because this show is always so good at getting to Kansas City Chiefs audio clips, but um, we we actually had all of the uh, Chiefs coaches and assistants and whatnot, all those press conferences that we've talked about. Those were, were last week, but one in particular, uh, big sort of larger than usual chunk of audio that I, I wanted to bring you is just like three, three and a half uninterrupted minutes of Eric Bieniemy. Um, and and look, if you're going, okay, great, we get to hear Eric Bieniemy talk for three and a half more minutes about not being a head coach and why that's happening and what he needs to do to be different. 
if you're thinking that, let me be real, uh, that's where I was at whenever I started, you know, when those questions started coming again for enemy last week. And I, if you think I'm fatigued, or if I think you're fatigued with all those questions, imagine how tired Eric Bieniemy is of it all. And so for me, it wasn't, you know, an issue of he shouldn't be asked those questions. Of course he should, and we're going to keep asking him questions along those lines until eventually he's the head coach of some football team somewhere. Um, but I, I just, you know, kind of, kind of groaned a little bit thinking about that that line of questioning coming back around again again not because he shouldn't talk about it or he shouldn't he doesn't have anything interesting to say or it's not a good question but because we I just kind of thought maybe we had heard just about everything we were going to hear from Eric Bieniemy on this particular topic now you might be wondering okay Josh how do, how do you make that work with the fact that you just said you're about to play three and a half uninterrupted minutes of Eric Bieniemy uh, talking about all of those things? Well, that's because I can still be surprised in a press conference. I was a few times that day, uh, but in this case, it was in a it was in a positive way, where I, I really do think there's some interesting stuff in here, especially if if maybe you've spent any time wondering about uh, you know the big event the NFL had not too long ago. That's sort of the the impetus of of everything being discussed here, where you've got owners there and coaching candidates and front office candidates, particularly minority coaches and minority coaching candidates and minority coaching or uh, front office candidates, because that is an issue that the NFL clearly has. And at this point, maybe it took too long, but at this point, no one in the NFL would even reject the idea that it, it, the coaching trees There's and the executive trees are overwhelmingly uh, white. Yes. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they have, like, even with the Rooney rule now, extended that to even quarterbacks coaches, correct? I, I, believe, I, you know, I, I couldn't tell you how far down the uh, I believe the that was a goes. new thing that just happened where now you do have to interview um, a you know, a minority quarterback coach, like when that position opens up, which is smart. Because that's the path to offensive coordinator. That's generally how you become the path to a head coach. That's right. Um, But but even with with that, though, you know, more uh, more expansions to the Rooney rule, probably well intentioned and and may have some positive effects. But it's no guarantee. It's also definitely no guarantee for there to be overwhelming effects there that begin to sort of even out those scales. Mm-hmm. And so that was the uh, the, the beginning of the, the first question you'll hear Eric Bieniemy responding to on this event with the owners. And, and again, I think you're going to hear some stuff in here that some stuff you've probably heard before. Eric Bieniemy is not making any excuses or, or asking for your pity. But I do think it's really interesting whenever he talks about what made this particular event different and, and what that might lead to for him and some of his contemporaries. I actually thought the league did an outstanding job. So the thing that I loved about it, there was a lot of things. But one thing, as a coach, we always have an opportunity to interact with other coaches. So that was good, obviously having that interaction. The thing that we don't get the luxury of is having an opportunity to deal with the Tim Terrys, having an opportunity to go deal who's who's the next Brett Veach, okay, who's the next Ryan Poles. That was exciting because now you get to meet the people behind the scenes and make things work in personnel. I thought that was great having that opportunity to interact with all the different people from around the league. On top of that, just sitting there having a conversation with owners and just everyday conversation, it, it just breaks down barriers, it breaks down walls where you can sit there, look someone in the eye and have a legit conversation with them just about life. I thought they did a hell of a job. There was a lot of workshops, there was a lot of you know education type deals, but on top of that, it was more of people who are in this industry, like myself, having an opportunity just to interact and understand how people view things when they're going through that uh, that it, uh, that interview process. Eric, when, when you're interviewing them, are you not meeting with the owners when you interview with them? Yes, yeah, but it's a different setting. So Darren, you gotta understand, it's just like me and you. If I go down to this bar and you down there, we're going to sit and talk about different things, right? We may have a conversation about life, okay? What are some of your personal interests? What are some of the things that you value? So it's out of a business setting. It's a personal setting where you get to know people. And I think that's important because everybody don't know Eric Bieniemy, <laughs> And so I don't know all those owners. And I think the benefit in what the league did was, was huge because it not only gave me an opportunity, but it gave the Vance Josephs of the world. I know Vance has been a head coach. He gave the Terry Josephs of the world, uh, the Kerry Josephs of the world. I mean, I can go on and name so many different people. It gave everyone a voice and a view to see exactly from that window 
what it's like, okay, to interact with those people. But also on top of that, to have that opportunity to to just say, hey, this is who I am. Eric, with all that said, what do you have to do that you haven't already done to get a head coach? I, I just got to go get it. I just got to go get it. I'm not seeking any comfort. <laughs> you know, I haven't gotten it for whatever reason. It don't matter. I'm going to keep knocking on that damn door, and I'm going to keep working my ass off to make sure that it happens. So my job this year is to make sure that we take care of the business that needs to be taken care of today to help us to achieve the goal down the road. But then it's time for me, when presented, to just go and get the job. Other than winning games, like you say, are there things that you haven't done that you need to do to get a coaching job? You can always be better. I'm always going to take a look at myself all right, first. I always make sure that I'm checking everything and making sure I'm checking every box. But yes, we can always improve. And just like each year, even when we won the Super Bowl, what are some of the things that we need to work on collectively as a team? You always want to improve. So personally, yes, I have to make sure that I'm always evolving because if you're not evolving, okay, you become like the dinosaurs, you become extinct. So there you have it, the ever-evolving non-dinosaur Eric Bieniemy. Again, you know, I warned you. It's going to be three and a half minutes of your, your team's offensive coordinator, but I thought it was interesting on a variety of levels. One is there at the end, a great line, um, but also, you know, I think a pretty good little window into Eric Bieniemy's mindset that certainly exists throughout the Chiefs' hierarchy. Uh, I, I would be absolutely shocked beyond words if that's not something that started with Andy Reid or at least included Andy Reid behind the scenes in that in, in the terms of evolving constantly because if you don't evolve constantly you'll go extinct Andy Reid's offense 10 years ago five years ago looks different than what it does right now it looked different last year and this year obviously yeah. I don't know if that's been discussed at all um but the you know we mentioned the guy that wears used to wear number 10 he's not here anymore and uh, he apparently caught a lot of passes Dexter McCluster no, he was Anthony Thomas. He was twenty-two. D'Anthony Thomas might have worn ten. Did he wear ten? He was thirteen. Don't don't challenge my Chiefs' offensive weapon knowledge because it's it's encyclopedic. See, Tavon I, Austin just uh, just nothing. signed. Tavon Austin's back in the league. Tyreek Hill wishes he could be Tavon Austin. The, the, what really bums me out about that signing is that the Chiefs had a one for one Tyreek Hill replacement just sitting there, and it's like Brett Veach isn't even trying. Not even trying to win. Anyway. The, the part of that that I thought was maybe the most interesting uh, is is specifically there the um, I mean like what we we knew that that owners are in these interviews for head coaching candidates and everything but when when Darren kind of poked in for that follow up of like hey can you unpack that some uh, again you know owners are in there Eric Bieniemy's not meeting with with interns or for the for the head that would be a bigger story I think <laughs> if that was the case if Eric Bieniemy every interview that he ever had actually took place with like the owner's 15 year old grandson yes you know what that might be a problem we that it would definitely I think demand an investigation yeah. yeah um but but the the specific there in the follow-up again to to Darren's question that I thought was the most interesting was that idea of hey if uh if Eric Bieniemy's gonna talk differently answer differently, respond differently, behave differently, stand differently at a podium than if you ran into him out at, at one of Kansas City's wonderful establishments. You bump into Eric Bieniemy. Now, even that is different, I guess, depending on who you are, right? Sure. But in, in that, we'll just use Darren because he's the one that asked the question. If Darren asks Eric Bieniemy a question, he's going to answer as if there's a microphone in front of him and he's standing at a podium. Darren runs into Eric Bieniemy uh, at, a, again, one of Kansas City's many fine establishments. That that exchange will go differently, and maybe you have a, a real conversation at an event like we're, the one we're talking about with the owners and these coaches and, and, and future executives and everything. He said... Not everybody knows Eric Bieniemy. Everybody knows of Eric Bieniemy in the NFL world. But how many of these other coaches or owners or front office members really truly know Eric Bieniemy, the person? And everybody has some point of reference for that, I think, where you, you have your your relationships at the office, but mm -hmm. then maybe you go out to drinks at one point and you go, oh, there's more to this person than I realized, or I know more about this person than I did before. Your environment makes an impact on all of that. And so it, this is this might be a hard through line to draw in terms of having a conversation about like what what systemic racism in an institution can look like 
again, I, I don't think that every single one of the owners. I'm not gonna say <laughs> I'm not gonna say none of it, but I don't I don't think every give single me a detailed NFL list of names. No. Right, give me give me the the that list. Um, the... I'll work on it. You know what? Next segment. Okay, that works. Next segment, I will give you my I'll list in, of all thirty. I will be anticipating. It. I will go through every single NFL organization, and I will try to dictate if I believe that that owner or ownership group is largely racist or not. I like this. To kick off the ten o'clock hour tonight. Uh, coming up next. But so I, I don't think that you've got a whole bunch of owners that are saying we want a white head coach and only a white head coach. But whenever you have these relationships that may have been long existing throughout multiple levels of a coach's career rising up the ranks, well, then all of a sudden, maybe that owner who remembers when that guy was was an intern on his staff or whatever. Well, now he'd like to give him the biggest job he can because they had, you know, because of that relationship. This is an opportunity to get to know each other and get to build those relationships in a way that, as Bienemy lays out there, it seems like it could be really that that could actually advance the ball a little bit. I don't. It's not going to solve the issue overnight. It's not going to solve any of this in one hiring cycle. But for something that to me felt a little bit like. A, I don't know, like a public effort, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's something like, hey, look at how hard we're trying. Really trying, but do please look at how hard we're trying. It felt like this could have been relatively unmeaningful, but that particular part from Bien-Ami, um, everybody don't know Eric Bien-Ami, to quote him precisely. That part of this I really do think matters. Yeah, and this isn't a, hey, the NFL has solved racism by any means, right? Because, again, the, the thing with systematic racism is I think that where people generally get confused, they assume it's this very in-your-face racism. It's like, no, right. it's very subtle generally. Right. To the NFL's credit, because I want to accidental in some, in some instances. Very often, I would say. Um, but I, I, would, I would give the NFL some credit. This does seem like the first offseason in a while where instead of just, like, talking about making changes – and, yo, oh, well, you know, well, teams care about draft picks. So let's give tra- draft picks. It's no, we, we're creating programs right. that, again, can get the next group of head coaches meeting the next group of GMs, the next group of presidents. And, you know, potentially the next group is somebody who's going to be in an ownership group one day. Right. So I, I think that's a, I think it's a very good step in that right direction. To the point of not just this, none of these solutions were ever going to be one prong. No, but it's, hey. You know, the, the Chiefs have their Ryan Poles picks now. Maybe some owners are saying, you know what? Hey, there's an extra benefit to developing minority candidates for, for head coaching or GM jobs. Although that one still does feel a little wonky to me. Yeah. But it's just <laughs> red, I guess. I don't know. But again, there is, there is. hey, here's some incentive. Here is some uh, public perception. And then here's a chance to build some relationships with these guys. Like mm-hmm. Again, it, it, it was always going to be multifaceted. Um, and I thought that Eric Bieniemy's perspective on all of that in this particular instance was, uh, was really interesting. So I, I appreciate his candor on that yeah. one uh, as a guy who I think increasingly is, is getting even more confident in his own public voice and whatnot. Not like he was ever sheepish or anything, but I, I think that he knows who he is, where he stands, and how the rest of the league views him. It, it, it seems like he's maybe um, giving even a little less of a bleep publicly because he he knows where he belongs. And quickly, um, I'll, I'll point out, this should in theory also benefit just like uh, women who want to get into this business, right? Absolutely. It's just anybody, you know, right? Like obviously, you know, especially for black, you know, young American or young black men who want to become coaches because there's a lot of players who are black. Right. This is great for them. But it also benefits a lot of other minorities as well. So yeah, uh, this this is a good first step. Yeah. And that that's taking a lot of different shapes at a lot of different levels throughout the NFL and, and some interesting ones. Um, well, again, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But most importantly, you know, I cannot tease strongly in enough next segment as i've promised i will go through owner by owner organization by organization oh rudy just hit me what's that show's actually over what yep show's over darn that's disappointing we'll do it tomorrow oh tomorrow's nba finals game three here on sports radio 10 whb all right well i guess we're never gonna be able to do that bit that's really too bad maybe friday we'll never forget you know what if we don't do it next hour or tomorrow do it on Friday. Oh, Friday's game four. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Until then. Bye, Mom. (laughs) 